You're listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma, and I'm your host, Trish Close. AJ Weinzettel on the podcast today. He has a podcast of his own called Wine Notes. Fun fact, his last name, Weinzettel, translates to Wine Note. I told him he was destined to be on this journey. He talks a lot about his journey to wine, and he tells the story of where it all really started at an Oregon winery, and he said it was all the things. It was the place, the environment, the people, the wine, and he got bitten hard by the wine bug. He started writing a newsletter to talk about his experiences with wine and the people and the places. A couple years ago, he started his podcast, Wine Notes, where he interviews producers from some of his favorite places to share their stories. And that's just it. AJ says he's on a journey to tell stories about the people and places behind wine. He's my kind of guy. Here's AJ Winesettle. I like your backdrop, AJ. That's very fancy. <laughs> I try to be very fancy. No. <laughs> you are AJ Winesettle. You are on a journey to tell stories about the people and places behind wine. You are safe to say you are a wine guy. Am I right? That is very safe to say. Yes. Very safe to I, say. I, I, yeah, I, I love the stories of everybody that gets into wine and it's just it's just a blast and it just tugs at my heart. I mean, just like, oh, all the stories. Um, this is why you and I are going to get along fabulously because I agree with you 100%. Um, I'm coming at it from the journalism side. I love telling stories. And I love when those stories include wine or food. <laughs> I don't discriminate. No, got to have all three of them. All, right? all of the things. Um, you're also a, a podcaster. You have a podcast called Wine Notes where you interview winemakers. And in my research, it looks like you do you typically stick to Oregon wine. In general, yes. But, uh, you know, I've had uh, some people from California uh, I interviewed Jason Wise, you know, the director of all the Psalm movies recently, yes. and also a winemaker in uh, Colorado this earlier, well, late last year. Um, so yeah, really great interviews. And that's where I stumbled upon you um, in doing research in some of the interviews that I've had. I'm like, oh, they were on this podcast. Cool. I'm going <laughs> to steal some of his questions. Um, and then are you, you also attend to... Um, you, you put out reviews, correct, for of different wines and of different wineries? I, I do. It's, uh, you know, I and mean, I just kind of just happened to like, just, I don't know. I, I don't know the words, right? It's the wine reviews. I don't, re yes, a very general way to say mm -hmm. it. Yes, wine reviews. But to me, a wine review that I do is more about like the experience that you have with the wine instead of like, Ooh, I get, you know, cherry cola, I get pepper, I get clove. It is the reaction and what is what I feel and what I get in the mouth. And just, it's again, um, uh, emotion instead mm -hmm. of just that black and white little tasty note that, you know, you normally see. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. I appreciate that so much. Um, AJ, where are you from originally? Uh, I was born in Missouri, but you know, I call Tennessee home. That's oh. where, uh, that's where I grew up. Where in Tennessee? Down in Chattanooga, you know, and if you, you know, if, uh, 
I, I like to call it Chattaboogie. <laughs> What's that? You know, I worked, there was a guy that I worked with uh, for a while at uh, McKee Bakery Company, you know, they're the people who make the little Debbie snack cakes. Mm. And uh, he, to, to me, uh, coined the term Chattaboogie, and I could just never get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. That's good. So the bakery that makes the little Debbie cakes is in Chattanooga? Right outside of Chattanooga in a little town called Ottawa. Nice. Um, I grew up on Little Debbie snacks. I mean, that was my, all of my nutritional, everything came from Little Debbie. But yeah, I mean, you grew up in South Carolina, so yeah. I can only imagine. Oh yeah. The, the chocolate cake ones with the like icing in the middle, they're like the rolly cakes. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I wonder, ever, what's that? Have you ever put them in the freezer? Um, no. Uh, you need to try that. Game changer. Yes. The Little Debbie, the chocolate cakes with like the chocolate icing and then they have like the... Yeah, the, the, the the little Swiss rolls. Yeah, yes, right? the Swiss rolls. Thank you. Yeah, you, you put those in, in, the, uh, in the freezer and then you take it out after it's frozen and it's, it is quite a little treat. Oh, um, okay. I sold. I'm going to the grocery store today. <laughs> I'm going to buy Little Debbie snack cakes that I haven't done maybe since I was 10. And in the freezer they go. Now, I am a big fan of freezing Thin Mints. Girl Scout Thin Mints. I, you know, I've never, yeah, I, I've never done that. Delish. You know, but I'm not a big Thin Mint person. Okay, so well, that, that's all the way. I'll forgive you for that. Um, what was it like growing up in Chattanooga? Uh, you know, it was fine. It was, I didn't know a whole lot of other differences. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't complain or whatever, but what I definitely as an adult don't miss about it is, you know, starting in May, you just turn the AC on and you don't come out all summer. So true. So true. It is so true. Yeah. I don't miss the, um, the bugs. Yeah, I, I I can I can see that, but you know, to me, it, it was it was the heat and the humidity. But you know, I will also say one thing I definitely miss about the South, mm-hmm. uh, besides you know some of the food, uh, you know, but just um, bass fishing. Mm. Like I I loved going out and bass fishing. Like at, at one point in my life, I was like, I want to be a pro bass fisherman. Okay. Well, speaking of that, what what did you want to be growing up? What was your what were your sights set on? Uh, computers. Like really? I was just like, I got to, you know, I got to dive deep into the, into computers and learn all about it. And I begged and begged and begged to get a computer and I never got one um, until I was out of high school and I paid for it myself. Hmm. What did you want to do with computers? Did you, did you know? Uh, anything, everything. Okay. Just give me all the computer. I'm assuming growing up in, Chattanooga did you have I mean there wasn't a whole lot of access to wineries or vineyards also you were underage but I guess my point is was wine important growing up in your family not at all at all no it was no and especially you know I don't in the south it was like ooh, wine that's hoity-toity you're like upscale and Mm -hmm. like that that was kind of what wine kind of seemed like to me growing up 
Yeah. Or um, really sweet. Like the wines that were available, I think, I mean, my mom's going to kill me for saying this, but um, we had box wine in our fridge for a little bit of time. The white Zinfandel. Oh. The sweet stuff. The sweet pink stuff. You have to learn some way. I mean, I agree, AJ, whatever floats your boat. I've always been, that's always been a big deal to me, learning so much about wine, right? It's just the whole, like, you should drink this with this, like, just do whatever you want. Do whatever makes you happy. Right. Yeah. Um, Where'd this journey start with you and wine? Uh, So I moved from Chattanooga to Oregon back in 2001. Okay. And that was the first time I ever had wine. I mean, like real wine. Well, I meet back up. I did have a bottle of Chardonnay when I lived in Georgia. Oh, man, when was that? That was like 95, 96, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, this is how um, unknowledgeable I was about wine. I went to the grocery store, got the wine. And then I was like, oh, there's a cork on it. How do I actually open this? Uh, So fast forward from that, I had my first uh, Pinot Noir in uh, 2001. I I enjoyed it. And uh, when you move up here to Oregon, I mean, it's wine is all over the place. You go over to somebody's house, there's wine. You just start diving in and start getting further into the actual rabbit hole. But it wasn't until, I don't know, many years later where I uh, went with a bunch of friends on a day of wine tasting, you know, in a little one of those little party buses. And uh, the last stop of the day was at Domaine Serene. Oh. And it was it was over at that point. It was sure. just over. Um, okay, lots of questions from that story. What was the first that that first Pinot Noir you had? Do you remember where it was from? I would have to really dig deep okay. to remember it. The, the winery isn't yeah, the winery isn't around anymore. Okay, okay. Um, what was it about? Actually, first of all, you lived in Georgia. Uh, I lived in Georgia for a, a few years while I was in the Air Force. Dude, we were like neighbors. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know you were like lived in the South this long. I, well, here, so here's a freaky story. Okay. Ooh, I love freaky stories. Uh, in 2000, I was doing uh, AJ's happy hour via Zoom. So there would be a group of us that would get together on Zoom every week and open a bottle of wine and, you know, be social because we couldn't be social in person. Uh, one of the people that was part of that group went to the same exact high school that I went to. And he was two years after me. And we're talking a high school that had a total, like my graduating class was like 300. Right. And the population of that town uh super small i'm trying to think of like smaller than salem smaller than um i would even say smaller than the town that i live in right it it was super small the town was you know it's called saudi daisy and we went to the same exact high school 
we knew the same people. That was freaky. I bet that you said that was in 2020. Yes. Okay. Um, it's always weird to me. Yeah, especially like the blast from the past, right? And then you start talking about all these people that you definitely both knew. And then it's just your memory starts to like, it's like almost like unlocking a trunk, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you forget about all the things and all the people and all the experiences until someone kind of, you know, loosens those memories in your brain. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Pretty cool. Okay, Domain Serene, what was it about? Was it the winery? Was it the ambiance? Was it the views? Was it the wine itself? What was it about this place, this experience that, I mean, you were bitten easily? You know, it was a 2014 barrel tasting of their Florida Lee Pinot Noir mm. that was like, this is the best Pinot that I've had all day. This is the best Pinot that I've ever had. And, you know, at that time, uh, they didn't have the big clubhouse built yet. You know, so the that domain screen is very different than the domain screen that we know today. Oh, I'm not saying anything bad about today's domain screen. I'm just saying that, you know, they have grown immensely over that time. And it just, it, it bit me. And then, you know, going back to visit, you know, they're like, Hey, AJ, and I'd get hugs. And I mean, all the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. That's the best. That's the best when you're, your favorite winery turns into like an episode of cheers or something where, you know, you, you walk into the tasting room and, and especially what I love is, Hey, last time you were here, you tasted probably the, you know, fill in the blank. This was just released. I I want, I want you to try it. That's my favorite. Like, I, I just think that experience, that connection that you make with either the winemaker or the tasting room staff, and they just know how important this is to you and they want to share like I just I think that's I mean I mean yeah. obviously you agree I completely agree and the, you know there's uh there's one guy that's you know that works at Domain Serene now and he is he is the bomb I mean he was like without even thinking about it, he's like hey AJ I know that you know five years ago you had this da, 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 and it just blows my mind how how wonderful and thoughtful a lot of those people are. I'm sure. So, okay. So Domain Serene, you have this completely wonderful experience. I mean, I guess, what do you do from there? Like, were were you just like, I need to go explore more wine? Like, I mean, tell me the story. What happened from there? So when I start exploring, I do, I do deep dives. And um, a few years into Domain Serene, I was like, all right, I've done all of Domain Serene. Even like the French side, I had done you know a majority of that. But I was like, I should really get out and explore more of what is here in Oregon. You know, there are a ton of other wineries. Let's check them out. So I started to you know try to find somebody that had recommendations. Hey, you should go here. You should check this out. And I couldn't really find that one person, you know, or just a good guide. 
so then I decided to be that person. And that's when I started the, a weekly newsletter. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss. So he does long form content. Mm -hmm. And so every week I would do 1500 to 2500 words every single week about a winery and then just learn about them, learn about their story, and then just be that person to convey those stories and places to go. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you were looking for something that didn't really exist. So you just created it on your own. Exactly. I guess, what were you, what were you in search for? Were you just in search for like, kind of reviews on like, oh, this place looks good. I want to go there. Or they have, you know, these kind of flights or I mean, what specifically were you looking for? I don't think there was, it was a feeling, you know, I'm a mm. very touchy feely kind of person. Yeah. And I just wanted, uh, I wanted to find like that, I guess that connection that I had like with domain stream and like, there's so many other wines out there and so many other wineries and just knowledge and just diving in there's there because there's, there's so much. Yeah. And I read on your website, you're still doing the, um, the newsletter, correct? I am. And in August I changed it from weekly to monthly. Okay, good. <laughs> Sometimes it's like a little <laughs> too much. I get that. I totally get that. Um, well, I guess what was the what was that like? I mean, you were, you know, what, let's say a few newsletters in, was it getting good response? It was getting good response. Um, and it has just grown. And I really, in the early days, I wasn't trying to go for a response. Um, you know, I guess I was a little bit on a personal journey myself. I being in tech, I wanted to do a newsletter. So I did. And then just having that accountability to say to everybody out there, Hey, I'm doing something every single week and here's my journey. If you want to follow along, great. And if not, that's fine too. But it was an experiment, I guess you could say at first, yeah. kind of like, what, what is this like? Right. And then I, 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 I got to the point. I thoroughly enjoyed having that time every single week to just type it all out. Nice. It was kind of like your, um, it sounds like a little therapy action. Oh yeah. There were, yeah, there's, there was definitely therapy action because, you know, at the beginning of all my newsletters, I would just ramble, you know, and then it's like, Ooh, I got to rein this in a little bit. Nice. Nice. So you had a day job then. I do. Okay. Yes. What's your day job? Uh, I am a iPhone developer for, uh, one of the, Top five banks. Nice. All right. So this, it sounds like to me, you know, wine kind of reviews and the newsletter and your podcast is a little different than your day job. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just a little bit, right? Is this, is wine sort of your, is this kind of, I don't want to call it a release, but it's like, or really a hobby because it sounds like it's much deeper than that for you. Oh, uh, you know, so it it is deeper, right? You know, and um, being, you know, in midlife, right? Mm -hmm. 
you know, you, you start to look at life a little bit differently. And I, I have my passion of coding and computers. I have my passion of wine. And, you know, I am, I am looking to inter- intersect the two very much so. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's one of my, my most favorite things is um, helping people figure out what they're really good at and then what they love and then trying to combine those. Um, I'm really yeah. nosy, AJ. I call myself obnoxiously curious. Did you go to school to learn how to code? No, no you just figured I it out on myself. your own? I taught myself, yes. What? Yep. Okay, smarty pants. So like, <laughs> I so obviously it was that first computer that you bought yourself, right? Did you start coding then? Yeah. Well, no, I didn't start coding. Um literally what I did with that very first computer was just understand the operating system, the ins and outs. I uh, very vividly remember it was a 486.33 with four megs of RAM. It was the Hewlett Packard. Okay. No, it wasn't a Hewlett Packard. It was a Packard Bell. I, I know I'm, but I love you know, it. it's like wine. Uh, and one of the things I did was I, you know, voided the warranty, took it apart, I took the the processor out of the socket, turned it upside down, put it back in the socket, turned it on, and nothing happened. I'm like, cool, that doesn't work. All right, then I flip it back around. Um, just to feed all the curiosity and just to dive in. And then um, the internet started taking off. Mm-hmm. And once the internet started taking off, you know, all these websites are coming up and I'm like, Ooh, let me build a website. Ooh, they're doing dynamic stuff. They're taking, you know, data from an input form and they're doing stuff with that. How do they do that? And then you start just diving into it and holy cow, it's been amazing. Wow. You are like double smarty pants. I had no idea. Your, your brain works in a way that I just, I don't understand. Like, I, I think I think folks like you are on a different level of smart and I just don't under it kind of it kind of blows my mind a little bit. I have to ask, are you a PC guy, Windows or uh, Mac? Are you Apple? Well, being an iPhone developer. Apple. Yeah, yeah. through and through. You drink the juice like the rest of us. Oh, totally. Yes, I Yes. Okay. I, I have all the Apple stuff. So really quick, a boring story. Um, I, I'm doing this podcast where, you know, it's like a video form too. I do video production on the side for different contracts. So I needed a computer that could keep up with me, right? To keep up with how fast I want to edit and work and blah, blah, blah. And everyone was telling me, Apple, 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 Apple. And I was so hesitant because I'm like, oh, I just I'm quicker with like PC window. Like I'm just I'm really fast and, you know, the right click and all these things. And everybody's like, just do it. And you won't you won't ever go back. I did it. I bit the bullet. I drank the juice. I'm Apple for life. Oh, yeah. For life. Yeah. You can't go back, AJ. Yeah. You can't. No, you, you can't. I No. Okay. I uh, just thinking about a, a, a PC. <laughs> does it give days. you the heebie-jeebies? I mean, <laughs> it does, but also like 
I was also at the store day of Windows 95 when it was released. Like I was there. I used to be a big PC guy. I love this. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to get back on task. Like we're going to, I'm checking my notes here. Make sure. Okay. So when okay. did you start your podcast? Because I feel like, first of all, everybody's got a podcast. Everybody. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody, their mama has got a podcast. So when did you start yours? Uh, January of 2022. Oh, okay. So I looked, I noticed you're kind of in the sixties with your episode. So is that a, is that a f- fair to say that you're probably, you've done about 60 of these? Yeah, about 60 of them. Uh, I try to keep on a bi-weekly basis. Nice. And I, I know the I know the pain of trying to keep it on a bi-weekly basis. I would say scheduling is maybe one of the hardest things if you have an interview format podcast. It is very difficult. Well, like I did an interview ye- yesterday and then I have two next week. Nice. Awesome. So yeah. why why yeah. podcast? So I I enjoyed the newsletter, but it was my words. Right. And it was, there's only so much, so many words that you can put out and that a person can read in like 10 minutes, you know, 1500 to 2500 words, only my words, only my viewpoint. And I wanted, I love people, you know, the stories. So I actually wanted people to see and hear what I hear and what I see. And you know the the one thing that I thoroughly enjoy trying to uh, to find are like little tidbits of the people that I'm interviewing that they never get asked a question about. Hmm. Right when you go to a wine a winery or a winemaker, they pretty much have a script of everything that they always say, and they repeat their story twenty thousand times in a year. And I wanted something different. Right. So, uh, for example, when I interviewed Jason Wise from Psalm, uh, I was like, so on your very first documentary, you did something, uh, you, you documented about this teeny tiny snail, about this guy who is uh, taking care of this habitat of snails that's underneath, you know, his his house. And he was like, how did you find that out? Like, I don't ever talk about that. I don't ever how did you find that out? Mm -hmm. And those moments when you see the sparkle in their eye and they're like, Whoa, that is what I want to share. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. Homie. That is it. There's nothing, you know, and I've been, I've been a journalist for the last 20 something years and asking questions. And I feel like I'm a somewhat of a professional question asker. And so when I hear, someone say, oh, you know what? No one's ever asked me that before. I'm like, pat on my back. I'm glowing from the inside out. I mean, or whatever, outside in. It's just like this feeling of um, that's just it. You ask the question that either they never get asked or it's a topic that they never get to talk about because like you said, they are on this somewhat of a script. Um, right. That's That's awesome. What kind of stories are you looking for specifically or do you just kind of let the conversation go i always go into the conversation with um 10 topics 
right so it's uh, i always like to you know have like a 45 minute to a 90 minute conversation mm -hmm. and i try to leave it open-ended enough to allow stories to allow segues and again i try to follow the script that tim ferris has done right i mean he has it's long form mm -hmm. uh not overly edited and it just allows for exploration and that's that's i, I love that ditto i love that too i'm on the same page i think that's awesome um what have been some of the most memorable interviews any off the top of your head uh andy lytle of lytle barnett that man is just amazing. Um, uh, Chris Fladwood from Soder Vineyards and hearing him talk about him being in Iraq during the Iraq war mm -hmm. was, wow, amazing. Um, Wow. I mean, I, I would, I would need to see like, the, there, there's so many great stories. Yeah. There, um, yeah, there are so many yeah. great stories here in the state. I also love to, I've interviewed a few people who either have connections or, you know, they, they started, they started their winery back in the late seventies, which, you know, these, these pioneers of Oregon wine, which just, I mean, there's something so special about that, right? Like most of these people didn't know what they were doing. They're relying on their neighbor, right? Like, hey, can I borrow that right. tractor? Or can you you planted some grapes? What'd you plant? I mean, I guess your thoughts on those beginnings of Oregon wine, because really those those folks got us to where we are today. Yeah, it is amazing how everybody has everybody at the beginning, you know, pulled pulled together to help mm -hmm. and to for me that was the foundation of what we actually see today and there are uh uh eric uh from ricochet i can't remember his last name at this very second but he do, he pulls together like a indie wine mixer uh like two times a year and that little wine mixer mm -hmm. to me represents the embodiment of what Oregon wine was in those early days, mm -hmm. right? Little guys just trying to hustle as best as they can to pull together to make something bigger. Um, and then also like there is, I call it the Oregon sparkling revolution that's currently happening. There are, you know, a handful of core Oregon sparkling producers mm -hmm. that are really working to put Oregon on the map for sparkling. Love it. And that's in the next couple of years, it's going to be amazing. The amount of sparkling that comes out of this region, which is maybe my favorite. That's my deathbed drink. Give me a glass of bubbles. <laughs> right. Um, yep. I did a series. Uh, it was a five part series of, sparkling wine and in, in Southern mm -hmm. Oregon, I stuck to Southern Oregon. Um, cause it was easier to drive, <laughs> get to all of these places. <laughs> um, but yeah, interviewing folks who are doing things, the traditional method, right. Old school 
right. then forced yeah. carbonation. So however they're putting bubbles in the glass, um, doing it in a way um, that's unique and different. Um, Jean-Michel uh, from Del Rio, mm-hmm. the winemaker, right? <laughs> I know. <sighs> First of all, he's just a fantastic human. But watching him, you know, when I stopped by, I'm not sure he understood the assignment. I was like, hey, I'm just going to come by. I'm going to put a camera in your face and we're going to talk. And he was like, okay. So we do this. And then he starts, he's showing me riddling, which is basically turning those bottles a half turn to break up all the stuff inside. And you have to do it. I think it's twice a day. Do you know? It, it depends okay. on it. it yeah. Um, but he starts, he shows me a couple of bottles just so I can get kind of the video. I can see it. And then he's like, I have to do all of them because it's like once he starts, he has to keep going. And then, you know, it took about, I want to say five minutes, but watching him do that, it was, and I'm I'm not trying to be cheesy, but it was really, it was kind of emotional because it's like his hands touch every single bottle so many times throughout the process of these bubbles. And you're talking years, you know, these, these bottles are doing their thing for years before you and I ever get to, to taste it. Right. The dedication, the patience, it's just, ah, it's just incredible. It's incredible to me. It is incredible. And I love, I love his sparkling. Um, and he does everything by hand, mm-hmm. right? He, you know, you know, after the riddling, then, you know, all the necks on the bottles are frozen, mm-hmm. disgorges mm-hmm. them, you know, puts more dosage in and then, you know, bottles it all up. I mean, it's, it is a labor of love and mm-hmm. that's, that's what I want to communicate and let everybody know about this. It's it's all a big labor of love. 1000%. I think, and yes, the winemaking process in general, I would say is safe to say it's a labor of love, but there's something special when it comes to bubbles and have especially the you know traditional method of of making sparkling wine i just think is absolutely i was there on disgorging day with jean michel and he ha- there's all of these bottles and yeah you're you know every one is frozen then he hand disgorges every single one and it's just mind blowing it takes them an entire day they get through all of his bubbles for that vintage and it's just like there's something very special, very unique and very special. And you have to have, I guess, the patience. I don't know. I, I mean, it's just, it's incredible, these wineries in the state that are starting a bubbles program. And I'm excited that, you know, you're, it's, you're calling it the sparkling revolution. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Super excited. Yeah. yeah. Well, the uh, in the husband and wife team that I interviewed yesterday, their last vintage of sparkling, they did it all by hand. But now they've gotten to a point where their production is upped and they can't, they can no longer do it by hand. So they have purchased the equipment to have all that stuff done. Right. And that's, you know, it's like the, the price of a freaking plot of land, you know, this equipment. Right. But they're, they're all in and it's, it's absolutely amazing. I got to see the equipment and I was like just blown away. And I was just giddy, grinning from ear to ear because I was just so happy to see them mm-hmm. succeed in their journey. 
Well, and it seems like, you know, there's a lot of wineries that are kind of getting on the bubbles train, right? Like more and more are producing some sort of sparkling wine. Again, whether it's, you know, traditional method or forced carbonation. I mean, lots of people are doing lots of cool things with still wine. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, there's a couple other producers. Well, there's a lot of producers in the Willamette that are doing bubbles, correct? Oh, my gosh. Yes. In 2021, I did a uh, sparkling report. And just in 2021, I there and there were more, right? But I tasted over 40 different producers that had sparkling. Ooh. And I, I'm sure that if I was to do it again today, there would be over 100. Because I obviously know of way more, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, the, the amount that they're actually producing is for like club members and it's very small production. And it's, uh, I, you know, there, there are, and there's actually some producers and I'm like, I'm going to start a rumor today that XYZ winery is going to have a sparkling program. And, uh, two out of the three have started sparkling. Yeehaw. I love it. That makes me yes. so happy. There's just, I don't know. I think everybody likes bubbles for the most part. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, some people, it causes them headaches because of the bubbles and the carbonation. Mm-hmm. But besides those people, yeah, everybody's like, give me, give it. Give yeah. Me, give me, give me. Yeah. Sorry for those people. I feel, I'll, I'll drink yours. Um, <clears throat> some of the, if, if I'm coming to Oregon, for the first time, and I want to visit some wineries. This is a loaded question for you, AJ. Where no. would you tell me to go to really get the flavor, the essence of the state? So the the flavor and the essence of the state. Um, so are you talking about, I want, really good wine or do I want really good wine with the hospitality and humbleness that Oregon is known for? I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think that's exactly it. Okay. I, I mean, because there's good wine all, all across the state, but I think there's something about going into, and you know this, going into a tasting room where there's hospitality, you have beautiful views, you can see mountains, and then the wine just knocks your socks off. Right. You know, this is like trying to pick your favorite children. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I right? told you it was a loaded question. Um, h- how many days do we have <laughs> in this little trip? Oh, I love it. Uh, let's say, <laughs> um, let's say a long weekend. All right. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sure. Let's do that. All right, so down picking just nine wineries. Okay. Okay, here we go. I'm going to keep track here. So I would say Granville, Hazelfern, Domaine Divio, Audayant, Corollary, Lytle Barnett, uh, Lundin, Dusky Goose. Oh man, uh, I got one more. So much pressure right I know, now. I know. Uh, Did 
Do, 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 I do, Jeez. <laughs> I can let you go with eight. That's good. That's a good list. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I would say another good one would be Bledsoe McDaniels. Okay. I just saw that one. You wrote about that one on your uh, website. Yeah. So what was it? What is it about these nine wineries that just really hit you in the feels? Oh, uh, it's a combination of everything. Like the first two that I said, Granville and Hazel Fern. Uh, Granville, you go up on this huge hill. There's an amazing view of the valley. It is just gorgeous. Uh, it is a husband and wife team. They have two kids. It is a family business. Uh, the winemaker is Jackson Holstein, and his dad uh, planted the vineyards for Domaine Druin in Argyle. Mm. And the amount of humbleness that comes out of Jackson is just absolutely amazing. And the wines, oh my goodness, the wines are amazing. Uh, Hazel Fern, husband and wife team, two daughters, and very much a family-ran business. Uh, humbleness but they're more uplifting they're they have a younger vibe to them the tasting room itself we used to be a horse barn but it you know never actually had horses in it mm. and if you love chardonnay brian's chardonnays are out of this world his pinots are out of this world uh, just just those two right i mean like that is what that is the embodiment of Oregon wine. It um, yeah, I think you hit it. Especially for me, it has to have. I have to have a connection if I'm going to go back a few times, and you know, do a right. flight or have a bottle and sit on the deck and whatever. I have to have a connection with the people and the place. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, sounds like you do too. Um, you're. I'm curious, your palate sounds like has, you know, since you first started, you know, that that first time at Domain Serene, your palate has probably really changed and evolved. Um, I would, yes, that is very safe to say. Yes. Yes, I've been a wine judge a couple of times for the McMinnville uh, Food and Wine mm. competition. And now that's an experience for your literally tasting over a hundred wines in a day. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the room for last year's Oregon wine competition with the Oregon wine mm -hmm. experience. And you have six judges from all across the country, you know, masters of wine, master Psalms, like just incredible palettes in this room. And I nerded out so hard because watching them taste all of these wines and then the discussion section afterwards 
was just fascinating. Like the flavors they're picking up. And then they they were going into like retail and distribution notes with some of these. It was just, again, I just geeked out big time. Oh, there, there's so much to geek out on and I, I love it. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to wrap up a little bit. Um, I feel like though you're on somewhat of a mission to spread the word about Oregon wine. Oh, very, very much so. I, I am very much a big proponent of Oregon wine and I will shout it to the, at the, all the rooftops that I can. Yes, very much so. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. I always encourage people um, to come visit and, you know, go visit Willamette and come down to Southern Oregon, AJ. Yes. Get your booty down I here. Have. And I know you have, but yeah, because um, it's the ent- this in the entire state, right? Like we just have some incredible producers across this entire state. Love it. I com- completely agree. Okay. Yep. We're going to wrap up and get to the final three. Sir. Okay. Uh, best advice you've ever been given. So it was, I think it was indirect advice. Uh, I was interviewing at uh, a job. I was mid twenties, early to mid twenties. And the interviewee asked me, so you know, what do you want to learn in, you know, in the field of, you know, computers? And I'm like, everything. And she's like, she's like, that's impossible. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I think that was great energy for me because it put a big old fire in my belly to learn as much as I could mm-hmm. and to prove her wrong. And I will have to say all of that knowledge that I've learned over the years across the whole industry of, you know, of tech has helped me immensely. Fantastic. I love that. I love it when someone lights a fire in your belly and you're like, oh, yeah, watch me. Um, Exactly. uh, What's your happy place? You know, I think it there's a lot of a lot of different happy places that I can find it on on a daily basis. I try to find a happy place. Right. So I don't need anything extraordinary or anything of that nature. Um, This time of the year, a happy place for me is having a bottle of sparkling, putting my headphones on and just coding away. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Um, <sighs> and then I'll say in the summertime, because it's not all hot and humid, pretty much the same thing, but just on my back deck. Mm, perfect. Okay. In all things food and drink, what do you crave? What always sounds good? Always sounds good. You know, if uh, if I could have fried, good fried chicken, good southern fried chicken every day, and it didn't clog my arteries and it didn't have a bunch of grease in it, <laughs> give me that with some nice fluffy biscuits, I, I would be a very happy person. And in your glass? Bubbles? Oh, uh, blanc de blanc. Yeah. Yeah. Bubbles and um, fried chicken, first of all, incredible. Also, I'm a I'm a truffle French fry kind of girl. So mm-hmm. bubbles and truffled French fries. That is deathbed meal right there. Oh, that sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Um, AJ, where can people uh, check out your podcast? 
You know, it's super easy. If you just go to Google and you type in wine notes, W-E-I-N mm-hmm. notes, you can find me on all the socials, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple podcast. And in case you didn't know, my last name of Weinzettel translates into wine note. What? I didn't know. I didn't even ask. I'm a horrible journalist. Yeah. So Weinzettel, which is, um, is that German? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that translates to wine note? Correct. Oh my gosh, I love it. You were destined to do this, AJ. It sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what does AJ stand for, can I ask? Arlington James. Aw, is that a family name? No. No? No, I'm one of a kind. One of a kind. You are one of a kind. AJ Weinzettel, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me about all the things wine. Um, And newsletter, how can people uh, snag your newsletter? Uh, You know, there's a sign up on my website, uh, on Instagram. There's, you know, links in there as well. So it's, it's, I try to make it as easy as possible. So again, just go to, go to Google's type in wine notes and you should be able to find it pretty simple. Love it. Well, as a fellow storyteller, thank you for all of the hard work you're doing, interviewing all of these incredible producers across our state and really just trying to promote this beautiful region and all of the wine that all these people are working so hard to produce for us. I love it. Well, thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure to be on the other side of the mic and uh, have a bunch of questions, you know, directed at my directed at me. Is it weird? Yes, it's very (laughs) weird. (laughs) I know. I don't know if I would be able to if someone was like, hey, you know, Trish, I'm going to interview you. I'd be like halfway through. I just uh, -uh. okay, turn the turn the mics around. Now it's my turn. Yeah. So I'm sure it probably was a little weird for you. Well, can I ask you one question, please? So how was it being a hostess at Chili's and while you're in South Carolina? Love it. Well, so, okay, wait. So I wasn't a hostess at Chili's. That was my first job as a 16-year-old when we moved to Vegas. I wanted to get a job. Oh. Yeah. No, you're fine. Um, uh, That was my first job because everybody – School high school let out at like 120 or something ridiculous in Las Vegas. So everybody had jobs. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go get a job. There was a brand new Chili's. It just opened and I applied for hostess and I got it and I loved it. Easily one of my most favorite jobs ever. There's no responsibility and you just get to smile right. and talk to people. It was the best. That is the best. And free burgers that's even better even better it was fantastic i love that question thank you for asking it was a great job it was a great first job well good good i'm sure you learned a lot from the bartender (laughs) that would remember all of the people's orders yes yolanda she was incredible um aj weinzettel thank you so much thanks for sharing your brain and your passion of oregon wine um and I love your podcast. I love, I love the format. So rock on. Cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Glose. 
You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More and Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.